morning spirit of grace.
thank you for changing our path. Even when we didn't understand the circumstance, God, you were changing our path for our good. That's the evidence of a heavenly Father that loves us, that pursues us. I thank you, Jesus. Thank you that we can trust your hand, that we can trust your love. God, that we can place ourselves fully in your arms and know that you are making a way. Praise God. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. Can we just lift our hands and thank him for where we're standing today? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for bringing us to today, Lord God. And may we be so bold to say thank you for every step of the way. Every moment in the journey, Lord, even when it was painful, even when we didn't understand why, it's brought us to this place where we can say, my God is good. My God is faithful. My God loves me more than anyone. He will make a way. He will make a way. Thank you for giving us a testimony, God. If we never go through anything, will never have anything to testify about. Thank you, God, for the lives, the souls that will be reached by every testimony in this place right now, Lord Jesus. And thank you for harvest that's coming. I thank, I thank you for Sundays in the future where we will look around and the evidence will be so compounding. The evidence of your goodness, your power, your redemptive power. Praise God. Help us to lean into you today, Jesus. And not be afraid to follow that still small voice that says it's okay. Step out on faith. Amen. All our answers are in you, Jesus. Praise God. You call me out Bye. 
don't want to come into your presence, Lord, and leave and say, well, we went to church in a snowstorm. Look at us. Look at my faithfulness. I want to come into his house and say, God, change those places in me that I can't even see. Change those places in me that cause me to struggle. Shore up those places in me that the enemy keeps finding to attack. Help me to be wise. I need your wisdom and your strength. We all need his wisdom and strength to walk in this day and this hour. Praise God. My prayer is King of glory, fill this place. And let it overflow out into Coon Rapids and beyond, Lord God. Let your presence just flow over the houses in this neighborhood, God. And to those that may be parked over here in the park, over into home furniture and to those that are shopping, Lord God. Let your spirit just reverberate. Let it flow like waves, Lord Jesus, into the cars that are passing by this church. We've heard many testimonies of people driving by, and the Lord, they've told us, just something just said, turn in there. Or you need to go to that church. Lives have always been in the balance. But lives are in the balance. Praise God. Can we just lift our hands and focus on him today? We want your will and your way. more than any plan that we have. God, if we're seeking relief today, it's not in anything else. It only comes in you. Every other device of relief is only Thank you. 
excited about the potential that's in the house today. The evidence is amazing, but we've barely scratched the surface of what God really has for us. If you'll keep the spirit of worship, you can be seated. Otherwise, stay standing. Praise God. Praise God. We're going to read from Haggai chapter 2, the second smallest book of the Old Testament. If you don't know where it's at, it's one of the little, little books at the end of the Old Testament, just before Zechariah. Haggai chapter 2, and if you're not using your Bible, it'll show up on the screen anyhow. I want to preach today with the help of the Lord on the glory of the temple. The glory of the temple. Two weeks ago we had baptism Sunday. What a mighty move of God. Powerful presence of the Lord as we shared with you the concept of the new birth experience. Last week we preached on the baptism or the gift, if you will, of the Holy Ghost. And I'm happy to report at least one person here received the baptism of the Holy Ghost for the very first time last Sunday. Praise God. And God wants to continue to pour that out and give it to us and fill us and saturate us. Today I want to preach about the glory of the temple and then next week, I don't want you, I want you to do whatever you can to be here. It's a uh, Four or five years ago, there was a something that started in the evangelical movement, and it kind of became one of those series or one of those uh, themes during the during the year called "I Love My Church." And uh, we didn't feel it for the month of February, even though that's Valentine's Day. We felt baptism instead. But we do want to honor that concept of I Love My Church. Next Sunday is I Love My Church Sunday here at Spirit of Grace Church. And you're going to be hearing from some people that have been attending our church. And then I believe the Lord has laid a message about what the church really is for us. And uh, I think it's going to be a one of those stack up the stones, altar, remembrance kind of services. Where we're going to look back in months and years later and say, well, that's the day that things switched. Praise God. And for you today, there's somebody here today that if you don't watch yourself, you're going to be transformed in his presence. <laughs> because God's, God's messing with some of you right now. I sense it in the spirit. Don't be afraid of it. He created you. He might as well fix you too. I'm thankful for the fixing of the Lord. So do what you can to be here next Sunday for I Love My Church Sunday. Reading from Haggai chapter 2, I want to read just one scripture, verse number 9. It says this in the New Living Translation, The future glory of this temple will be greater than its past glory, says the Lord of Heaven's armies. And in this place, I will bring peace I, the Lord of heaven's armies, 
have spoken. The future glory of this temple will be greater than its past glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Can I tell you what Haggai is talking about? In the history of Israel or the Israelite Jewish nation, there has been a couple of different temples. And one of them was Abraham's, or not Abraham, Solomon's temple. Solomon's temple was absolutely incredible. It had at least 163,000 people working on it. It was built, it took seven years to build a temple unto the Lord. It was magnificent. And then it got destroyed. And come, along comes Haggai and is encouraging Zerubbabel to go ahead and, and rebuild the temple. And what's known as Zerubbabel's temple, God says, this temple is going to have more glory than Solomon's temple. Now listen, it never measured up physically to Solomon's temple. But spiritually, it had more glory in it because God said it. So I want to preach today the glory of the temple. I believe that God is ushering us into new glories. There is a passage in scripture that says we go from glory to glory, which means that every step in our journey can be, if we allow it to be, something more magnificent, something more powerful. Every day can be better than the day before. Uh, there's an old, old song that says he gets sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. He is more powerful in my life today than he was when I first met him. Not because his power changed, but because my receptivity changed. Not because he's become anything different. He's never changed a day in his life. But because I've changed every single day of my life. He has become more powerful. He has become more renowned. The glory of my day today is better than the glory when I first found him at the age of 10. And I dare say by the hope and the glory of God that in days to come, the glory of the Lord is going to far outshine even what we sense in this place right now. There is something that God is stirring up in this world today, trying to get the attention of somebody to say, listen, come alongside me and step into my temple because you don't, haven't seen anything yet. You haven't experienced anything yet. Can I just... Jesus said this. Greater things shall you do. How? Because the body of Christ is much bigger today than it was when he walked on the earth. When he walked on the earth, it was him. Now, he, he, he was able to do all kinds of things. But the Bible says we're the body of Christ now. Which means that it's the reason why every time the devil scattered the church, revival took place. Read the book of Acts. Every time persecution came to the church and the church scattered, it was like kicking a, 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 a fire, the, the, the tinders of a fire, and the, the, the sparks kicked, and, and it just spread out. And, and, and what started as a little campfire, every time that the church was dispersed, it became a forest fire that just went everywhere. 
Because God cannot help but to reveal more and more and more of his glory. So let me just define glory for you in the terms that I'm using today. The concept of the word glory simply means to be weighty or heavy. I don't know about you, but I've been in services and we're sensing it even today that there is a heaviness of the spirit of God, not in a negative way. I'm not talking about burdens. I'm talking about thickness. I'm talking about the weight of the spirit and the presence of God that settles in. Listen, I have been in services where people could see a blue haze above the congregation. I, I've been around a service where you could just sense, you can, you can almost cut it with a knife, the thickness of the presence of God. That's the glory I'm talking about. I'm talking about having goosebumps going up and down my arms and my legs and my back and my head and my eyelids. I'm talking about goosebumps everywhere because the presence of God becomes so thick that I don't know how to handle it physically because it's so powerful spiritually that I just tremble in his presence. I stand like Isaiah of old and says, woe is me, a man of unclean lips, because I have seen the glory of God. It's coming to Spirit of Grace Church. The glory of our future is much stronger. tell you why. It's because there's a group of people that have gathered in the house today because they're hungry and they're thirsty for that which is not normal, that which is not sedated, that which is not just shallow, but we are looking for the depths of the Holy Spirit. We are wanting to do exactly what we sang about today and step into an avenue in an area where our, our faith is not designed or is not uh, constrained by, uh, by boundaries and limits. But he is wanting to take us where my foot doesn't touch, where I'm totally relied on the buoyancy of the Spirit of God. I'm totally relying on him holding me up. I'm only totally relying on keeping my head above water by the faith in who he is. I am amazed. I want to give you a little bit of a backstory about Haggai. Haggai is a prophet that comes onto the scene at the end of the Babylonian captivity. The Israelites have been in captivity for 70 years, according to the book of Daniel. And, and uh, I think it's Darius or Cyrus who was not a Jew, but was the one that had conquered them, released them to go back into Jerusalem and rebuild Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. And so the, the, the remnant of those that were in captivity head back. And if you read the book of Nehemiah, you'll read about the rebuilding of the wall and the adversaries that came against Nehemiah and the people. But if you read Ezra and Haggai and Zechariah, you're going to see the rebuilding of the temple and the raising of what God wanted them to do. Here's what happened, though. They came back from Babylon and they began to build the city of Jerusalem. But they got weary and tired and forgot about building the temple. They were building, if you read the first part of Haggai, 
the Lord chastises them because they were building their own homes. They were building their own lives. They were building their own lifestyles. They were building all of the things that were natural to them in the city of Jerusalem. And they were relying on the fact that God had chosen that group of people for his own and that Jerusalem was its capital. And so they were relying on that fact and they got used to it and they forgot about the house of the Lord. And so God sends Haggai to Zerubbabel and Joshua, the son of Josedek, and says, listen, how long are you going to wait to rebuild my house when you're building all of your own luxury homes? Thankfully, Zerubbabel and Joshua listened to Haggai and Zechariah. And they picked up the tools and they began to build the temple of the Lord. Can I just tell you what the Lord whispered into my spirit this morning as I was thinking about this? Could it be, if you read uh, previous to verse number 9, verse number 6 says, This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. In just a little while I will again shake the heavens and the earth, the oceans and the dry land. I will shake all the nations and the treasures of all the nations will be brought to this temple. And I will fill this place with glory. This is what I believe he whispered into my spirit today. I will shake the heavens and the earth. I think we've experienced that in the last 12 months. There's been a shaking going on. There's been a rattling going on. Every storm. Listen, Texas doesn't get a 100-year storm by accident. I know the scientists will blame it on climate problems and all that kind of thing, but could it just be that God is flowing a little bit? Let's shift things just a little. Listen, I'm not a proponent of climate, well, I should say, I am a proponent of climate change because the Bible says that heaven and earth is going to pass away and then there's going to be a new earth. I don't know how he's going to make it pass away. The climate's been changing since God created it. What I'm against is I don't think that we can do anything about it other than to be good stewards of what God has given us. But could it be that God has taken his finger Stirred up a hurricane here. Stirred up a tornado here. Well, why would he do that? Why would he cause bad things to happen again? To get somebody's attention. Listen, my friend. 2020 was a year of the pandemic. But 2020 was a year where God was screaming from the mountaintop. Come unto me! It was a cry from glory. Saying, I'm getting ready to do something in my kingdom. It may not be your kingdom. It may not be an earthly kingdom. But in my kingdom, the glory of the Lord is getting ready to be stronger and deeper and heavier than it's ever been before. There is coming a day and an hour. I believe we've already waded into the waters. We just haven't hit the deep end yet. Where God just begins to explode on the sea. And God begins to heal people and deliver people and In scripture, there is the physical building. 
Here's the physical. And we're blessed to have a beautiful physical building. So in one way, this is the house of the Lord. And when you come into the house of the Lord, you need to walk in with an expectancy that when you enter those doors, you're entering holy ground. When you enter them, not because of anything pastor does, not because of anything praise team does, not because we have a good sound system that the mic keeps breaking on us, I, whatever it is, uh, here's what I'm trying to tell you, is we have built this sanctuary, we have built this house, not by our own two hands, but there was a spiritual building that took place before the physical building could take place. There was sacrifice by people financially in time and in prayer before this building was erected. There was something that took place in the heart of this church before these buildings, before these walls went up. And, and let me just tell you, that's the glory. And so when you walk through these doors of this building, it's not just another business complex. It's not just another place that has a kitchen or a dining area. It's not another place that has a beautiful sanctuary. It, we try to pick out the right colors and we try to do the right decorations, not because we wanted to just make a name for ourselves, but because we wanted somebody to know that there was a temple erected unto God that would be a place of miracles, that would be a hospital for the hurting, that would be a home for the homeless, that would be a help to the helpless, that would be mercy to the merciless, be a place where you can find God in your own personal way, not in the way that some other preacher tells you to get it, but the way that certain Jesus says to get it. He's got his arms wide open. He's looking for somebody to embrace him like he's trying to embrace you. He's looking for somebody that's hungry and thirsty for the things of God and the things of righteousness. He's looking for somebody that will give them the time for him to infuse his glory into them. The house. I'm thankful that God led us to the right architect. The ceiling is the architects. We were just going to have boring black ceiling unfinished, just painted out. Angie came walking into me and said, well, we did this to this. I think this would be really cool. And it's really cool. Can I tell you, this carpet is from Cheney's. The paint is from Home Depot. <laughs> I couldn't remember if we did Sherwood Williams or Home Depot. They didn't want to offend any company. The lights and the sound are Guitar Center. The new drums are Guitar Center. Is there anything holy about Guitar Center or Home Depot? Or Cheney's carpet and flooring. Not necessarily. But when you mix it in with the prayers and the sacrifices of God's people. This carpet has become holy carpet. She's laying on holy carpet right now. These walls are painted with holy paint. This is a holy sound system, a holy drum system, not because of who made it, but because who put it together. Jesus put this together. We didn't even put this. We, we'd like to think we were smart enough to do all of this, but Jesus was leading us and guiding us and opening up the right door for the right architect and the right construction company and the right project manager and the right superintendent and all of those 
unto God. It's why we try to treat it right. That's the first temple. That's the temple that God is on a, on a shallow surface talking about Haggai. The building that Zerubbabel was getting ready to build was going to be a holy building. But there is another temple referenced in scripture. It is the temple of the human individual. First Corinthians chapter six, verse 19 says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. Can I just tell you that we've got about 60 or so temples within the temple today? There are about 60 or so people that are sitting in the presence of God, but God didn't leave the temple, the natural building. He didn't leave it. He did it so that he could fill this first so that he could then fill you. He wants to dwell with you. He will read John chapter 15. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Read, uh, uh, I will be in you and I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will be with you even until the end. Listen, you are the temple of Almighty God. So my question today is this. Are you ready to build? I wish that we didn't have any change orders on this natural building. I wish that as we began to build, we realized we made a mistake and had to fix it in midstream. Thankfully, it only cost us a little bit of money. But they would fix it. They would change it. They would adjust it. Can I just tell you, no matter how long you live, it's going to be a constant life of work orders and change orders and adjustments on the fly because you and I are too stupid to do the right thing all the time. It doesn't matter how good you think you are or how good I think I am. We're all going to mess up. We're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to commit sin. For the Bible says for him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him and his sin. I know that I don't do the right thing all the time. So I know that there is sin in my life. But this one thing I do know. That when God called me, he created a temple. And all i got to do is put a work order in. What is that work order? God, forgive me for my mess up. Shift me and move me and correct me and fill me in the right way. God, I need to be adjusted. Can I just, as I'm getting a little bit older, just a little bit. Some of you laughing are a lot. But about three years ago, I started doing something once a month. And I definitely know when I don't do it. And that is I go to a chiropractor. Started with Dr. Mike over in Blaine Chiropractic. 
And uh, then he retired and Dr. Jeremy came along and I finally got my wife to go. She's amazing. My wife is amazing too, but the doctor's amazing as well. Like that? I'm quick. But I will get up on the table and face it. It blows my mind. Because the doctor will grab my feet and she'll bench and go, oh, you're a quarter inch off. How do you know that? By lifting my feet. Oh yeah, you're a quarter inch off. And then she'll say, this, 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 and this. We just need to adjust those. Pop, 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 pop. And you can feel it. She'll hit one thing right up here in the back of my neck and I'll feel it in my tippy toes. She just knows exactly where to put that little actuator thing and it pops and it puts the, it puts the skeleton right back into its place. What, what am I trying to say? What I'm trying to say is as the temple of God, sometimes we need to go to the chiropractor. It's not because we are a sinner lost and hopeless. It's not because God's wanting to blast us out of the water because we messed up. It's because we turned wrong or we twisted wrong and something's gotten out of joint and it's pinching a nerve and it's making you uncomfortable and it needs, for me, it needs to be regular. I can't go more than five or six weeks or I start feeling it when I get up. I've got to have it till Wednesday's my appointment. I'll be there this Wednesday. And every four or five, six weeks, I've got to get in and get adjusted. Listen, it's not enough for me to take six weeks to get adjusted with God. I daily crawl on a chiropractor's table and say, God, start adjusting. God, find the thing that's out of place. Find the thing that's pinching my nerve. Find the thing that's causing me grief and pain and suffering and injustice right on the fly, God. Because I'm your temple. I'm where you want to dwell. I'm where you want to live. You need to fix the leaks, God. You need to fix the shingles, God. You need to fix the siding, God. It's your house. I am yours. You paid the price for me. The Bible says I'm not your own. I need you to take care of me. You want to know what? He does. I need to share this with you now. Somebody's got to grab a hold of this, embrace it, swallow it, consume it, hang on to it, don't let it go. The latter glory is always going to be greater than the former glory. The weight of the Spirit as He adjusts you will always be greater than that which you have already experienced. It doesn't matter if you've messed up, if you're willing to get back onto the chiropractic table. What's the chiropractic table in the Spirit? It's the cross of Calvary. Go back to the cross and say, God, you paid a price for me. And I'm asking you once again, readjust me. Fix me, glorify me, magnify me, not because of who I am, but because of where you want to dwell. Because God, I want to be your temple. And not only do I want to be your temple, I want to have more glory now than I had yesterday. The natural building, the physical building. There's one other temple. It's in Colossians chapter 2. I'm sorry, in Corinthians, Ephesians chapter 2. Starting in verse number 19. 
So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are a member of God's family. Together. Everybody say together. Together. together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Listen, my friend, the third temple in the, in the things of God is where you're sitting right now. Not in the natural building, although that's part of it. Not because of who you are as an individual, but because you're sitting next to somebody that God has taken from a region over here. And he has taken somebody from over here. And this past. And this background. And, and he's put it all together. And together, we become the holy temple of God. What does that tell me? That tells me two things. It tells me as an individual, it is my faith in him that sends his glory into who I am. But it means that if I am faithful to the body, he will enter into the body. Can I just, I, I, somebody's got to grab a hold of it. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how your past is. God sent you here. You are not here by accident. You are not with fellow believers by accident. The Bible tells us that he has put us together. He has brought us into one body. And because he has brought us into one body, we become a holy temple unto the Lord. And where we are gathered together in his name, the Bible says that we're two or three. It's right on the sign in the back of the sanctuary. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of him. Why do we sense the presence of God when we come together on a Sunday? Or when we come together at Chainbreakers? Or when we come together at Grace College? When we come together at Manson? I'll tell you why. It's the holy temple of God. And when God builds a temple, it doesn't leak. You see, here's the thing. Solomon's temple was not perfect. It was ransacked. Nebuchadnezzar came in and destroyed it. Took them captive. I can't tell you down the road what's going to happen with this building. I can't. I can't tell you that there won't come a day when the political forces of the world shut the doors. I wish I could say it's never ever gonna happen, but there's too many churches that have already dealt with it around the world. I can't tell you, I couldn't tell Solomon's temple you would think would have lasted forever. As much finance and money and wood and iron and gold and all that was in the part, you'd think it would last forever, it wasn't. And so Zerubbabel rebuilt. Zerubbabel's temple was magnified by Herod. And then in 70 AD, it was destroyed. It was ransacked. And we are waiting since then for the temple to be rebuilt. And there's plans for it to be rebuilt. 
as an individual, there's nothing I can do for you as an individual. It's your faith in him that dictates the kind of temple you're going to be. I wish I could let you, I, I wish I could sit down and say, okay, Chelsea, this is what you're gonna become and be a mad scientist. <laughs> she may not want that, but that'd be fun. I've got two boys. I've got one that's just about 18, believe it or not, and one that's 12. And, and, and here's the thing that I would love. I would love to be able to have a relationship with God that mattered to them. But I can't. Somewhere, they've got to find it for themselves. Can't do much for you on an individual basis. That's your responsibility to God. But that third one, you need prayer? I'm in. You need an encouraging word? Come on. I'll give you an encouraging word. I need somebody to show up in the middle of the night at the hospital. Give me a call. We'll be there. We'll do whatever we get to the hospital. It's a sin. We'll do whatever we need to be able to do. Why? Because it's this building. It's this temple that you and I have an action that we can do for somebody else. You see this big temple here. I don't know what's going to happen. The individual temple, I can't make up that choice. I can't force you. God can't even force you because God is a gentleman. He'll try to, he'll woo you. He'll try to make you want. He'll try to make you desire him. He'll do whatever he can to get your attention. But until you choose to go towards him, you won't even make it. But when you gather together in a big body of believers, the body of Christ, it's the reason why it's important that we're here. Even though you may think, well, I don't really have much to offer. Oh, yes, you do. You are a cell in the body of Christ. And every cell is important. You may be carrying the oxygen for somebody that's sitting around you that's gasping for breath because they're struggling on the things that they're dealing with in the world. And they may need just breath, a fresh air of God. And you may be carrying that breath, breath fresh breath of God as you begin to raise your hands and worship. I don't know about you, but I need you. And you need me because we are a holy temple of God. Can I just tell you? And I say this boldly and without shame. Online church has been used as a tool of the adversary. That which God meant for good, the enemy has used for evil. Listen, I'm thankful that we can be online. We've got people that can't be here. We've got people all over the country and around the world. Listen, our podcast has reached Australia, Japan, and Russia. I don't know how they got on it, but they've gotten on it. They've been listening. But here's what I also know. Is there are people all over the world that have said, well, I'll just catch church at two sitting on my lazy boy. I'll even sing with them. I'll listen to the preacher. 
But can you can I tell you something? And I don't say this because I think I'm a great preacher, but I'm a much better preacher live than I am on screen. I'll tell you why. Because I am looking at your faces and your body responses as I preach. And I'm gleaning things in the midst of my message. Can I tell you, there are no notes up here. There's a face mask and that's it. There's no notes up here. Why? Why? I had in my head what I wanted to preach, but my message is bouncing off of you. And as I'm watching you, as I begin to preach, God is putting things into me based off of what you need and what you need to experience and what you need to have today. And when they're doing it just on a screen, I can't see that. Can I tell you the most frustrating time in my entire ministry of 37 years was the two or three weeks where we preached from my kitchen table. I hated it. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because there is something in the spirit when God puts one and two together. When God puts us together. When God aligns us, when God brings us into a place, it, after all was Acts chapter 2, when they were all gathered together in one accord in one place, that suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. Can I just tell you, there is a suddenly moment that's happening here right now. And if you need a sudden healing, if you need a sudden deliverance, if you need a sudden breakthrough, God is in the house today to give you that suddenly moment because the holy temple of the Lord is in this place together. Pastor, you're crazy. Yep. But it's the foolishness of preaching that saves the lost. You see, oh my. You're gonna see a video next week. I was accused of stepping into people's business. <laughs> when I preach, it's not me stepping, it's God stepping. But can I say something? For all you traditionalists, all you keep my eyes closed, won't look at anybody so you don't know who I'm talking to. I wish to God that some more of us adults would come into the house of the Lord and start acting like these kids. I have been in churches where what our children do offends some people. They're out of order. They're, listen, get out of order for once and get into the house of God. Jesus didn't do anything in order. Jesus did it his way. And every time something begins to pray, something's got to move. Something's got to be spoken with the voice. A hand has to clap. A foot has to tap. Something has to happen. Get out of your comfort zone and step
so glad that you're here today. And I know that there are others that didn't come because of the weather. And please don't let me, please don't take this as a criticism. But can I just tell you, when you and I get so desperate and determined to get together with fellow believers, God smiles. There's an old poem that says, and it's anonymous, nobody knows who wrote it. I heard it from Grandpa Gleason, Wendell Gleason, the pastor I worked with for 16 years in Kansas City. His father was, they were part of the same church, and Grandpa Gleason used to say, whether the weather be fine or whether the weather be not, whether the weather be cold or the weather be not, we'll weather the weather, whatever the weather, whether we like it or not. We're going to seek him. I don't care what the political winds are blowing. I don't care what begins to happen to this natural facility. I don't care what's going on. If I can reach you and you can reach me, we're going to have church because the church is the body of Christ. Until the trumpet of God sounds and the dead in Christ rise first, and then we which are alive and remain get caught up together with the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Until then, you can't stop us. The church has been through the flood, it's been through the fire, it's been in the mountaintop and the valley, it's been through persecution, it's been through bondage, it's been through dispersal, but the church is still the church. Why is the church still the church? Because the owner is still the owner. So we came around Thanksgiving, it may have been the week before Thanksgiving, and preached because they voted us in on December 2nd, 2008. Never forget that evening, about 9 o'clock, Gary Weisbrook calls me and says, well, I'm talking to the new pastor, Spirit Grace Church. I said, okay. <laughs> but at Thanksgiving, I sat down with my mom and dad. And I said, Dad, Mom, I think God's calling us here. I said, they're having a vote in a couple of weeks and we'll know for sure if it's God or not. But there's something that is concerning to my wife and I is if we accept this call of God, we have nowhere to stay. Because I didn't have a job. So even to come in, and if you remember 08, 09, it wasn't a prime job opportunity season. 
So my dad and mom so graciously said, oh, come and live with us. We've got a big basement. Besides, I'll get to have my two-month-old grandson teach him how to drink Dr. Pepper at the age of three months. <laughs> and he hasn't put it down since. It's still his favorite pop. The other grandma only gave the old one water. And that's still all he drinks for the most part. We moved all of a 2,000 square foot home into a 400 square foot basement. The wall of our bedroom was the back of our bookshelves. That's what broke up the living area. Thankfully, there was one room that we put the boys in so we could put them to bed and lock them up. <laughs> Do you want to know what I realized as we started pastoring this church? We have nothing. I'm living in the borrowed basement. I'm just about 40 years old. I've got two kids and a wife. And I don't have the time to go into it. But when we were first getting together, what happened in 2008 was her worst fear of marrying a preacher. She didn't want to have nothing. We lived for the 40 minute drive to get here. Whether it be a Sunday, a Wednesday, Listen, there were, after a little bit, after a couple months, I got the job at Ameripride and worked overnight. And so we would come to Wednesday night midweek, and then she and the two boys would drive all the way back to Woodbury on their own while I went to Ameripride to load trucks. And then I would get home about 7, and she'd let me take a nap until I had to go to school. And then I went to school, then I came back and had another nap until the younger one got hungry. I'm just teasing. But here's what I found out. Is that we were strangers and pilgrims in a strange land. But then the second part of Ephesians 2 came together. You see, that's how it started. If you read earlier in Ephesians 2, it says we are strangers and foreigners in a strange land. But God put us together. God connected us to Spirit of Grace Church. Listen, some of you don't even know who was here when we came because they've been long gone. And, 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 but I, I remember the first time coming in and being greeted by a man by the name of Keith Anderson, who I don't know that I ever saw him without a smile. Welcome to Spirit of Grace Church. I'm the administrator. Oh, good. Let's get to know one another. It was a short time thereafter where my parents were getting a little restless of getting us out of the house. And we were getting a little restless to get out of the house. That God set us up with a realtor in Spirit of Grace Church. 
And Randy opened up an opportunity for us to move closer. And then he, he found us our first house to buy here in Minnesota. And he was worried. He walked in, walked downstairs, and looked at us. Oh, this isn't for you. Tristan, well, why? Because you asked for a big laundry room, and this doesn't have one. We bought it anyhow. <laughs> what am I saying? I'm saying the things of this earth are really meaningless in light of the temple. Take my car, take my home, don't take my church. Amen. I'm serious when I say that. You all, Pastor, you're just saying that because it's platitudes. No, 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 no. There are two things that are non-negotiable. Number one, God is non-negotiable in my life. And number two, my family's going to be in the body. Until the two boys leave home, you're going to see them in church. Because this is the temple of God. So that I can get from God what I need. I invite you to stand. I want to reverse this thought process for a second as I close. When I gather together with you, listen, how many will honestly say that every time the alarm goes off on a Sunday morning, you're like, oh good, I get to go to church. Well, most of you are honest. I'm the pastor, and there's times when my alarm goes off, and I'm like, oh, I can just turn over and go back to sleep. It's just life. Life gets busy. But can I tell you something? Give me 30 seconds. Not even 30 seconds. Give me a greeter at the door. When I see their smiling face, I know I'm home. And here's the thing. The building gives us a place to gather. But God has gathered us together. And I feed up of you. I experience the presence of God off of you. And it strengthens me so my individual temple can face what I'm going to face on Monday. If I don't understand these people that can face their Monday without having a Sunday... I, I haven't figured it out yet because call it a crutch, call it whatever you want to call it. I've got to have the body because the body's where the temple is. And where the temple is, is the Holy Ghost. And where the Holy Ghost is, the Bible says he will lead and guide us. And I want his leading and his guiding when I get up on Monday morning. And so if you have been struggling as an individual temple... Could it be that you have either emotionally, physically, mentally, or spiritually disconnected from the holy temple of God, the gathering together of believers, on the apostles, Dr. Jesus Christ himself, the chief cornerstone, fitly framed together? 
because I don't necessarily understand everything. I don't understand how the algo works either. But plug it in. Here's what I do know. If I don't plug it in, it doesn't work. There is power in an outlet at all times. But until you plug into the outlet, that power does you no good. God is saying to somebody today, it's time to plug in to the temple. Because the future glory of the temple is going to be greater than the past glory of the temple. Listen, the church is going to be greater in the days to come than it's ever been in the days from ago. That which we, listen, we're going to have greater revival than the book of Acts. We're going to have greater revival than Paul's missionary journeys. There's going to be more people coming to the Lord than ever before. Why? Because the glory of this present temple is going to be greater than the glory of the past temple. And the glory of the future temple is going to be greater than the glory of the present temple. And I want in. If you want in, would you close your eyes and raise your hands? In the presence of the Lord. Right now, God, I pray over every individual in this house. Every individual temple of the Holy Ghost. And I am asking you like never before. Unite this body at Spirit of Grace Church. Even to those who are not here today. But let there be a uniting of the Spirit. Going from this place right now into their homes. Those, Lord, that are on vacation, those that are at work, those that are feeling sick, those that are dealing with all kinds of issues, let the temple of the Lord go from this place to where they're at because you have put us all together. You have been the chief cornerstone of the church of the living God. And let the Holy Ghost reign. In Jesus' name. 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 How we look unto you, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before you endured the cross. Ah, Jesus, we are your body. Jesus, we are your temple. Jesus, you are the owner. Jesus, you are the filler. Jesus, you are the purpose. Jesus, you are the answer. Jesus, you are my all and in all. I cannot do anything in and of myself, but through you all things are 